Hello, and welcome to Tech Champagne, a wealth expansion podcast designed to help you turn simple ideas into major impact and big revenue. I'm Elisa Wilcox, and I've spent the last 11 years helping women entrepreneurs build six and seven figure businesses with simple systems and automation. I'm here to guide you and give you my exact strategies for money, marketing, and automated business growth so you can create the life and business you truly desire. The income level you really want is well within your reach. Let's do this together. Hi, and welcome back to Tech Champagne. I'm Elisa Wilcox, your host. And today we are talking about money magic. Today's episode is for you if you have an online business and you're not making money yet, or if you are making money, but you want to really create some longevity and some stable passive income for the entire year and even next year. So we're going to dig in today to a little bit about the psychology behind money, why you may not be making money now, and how you can bring more money into your life. So get ready. We're going to talk about money magic today. Okay, if we're going to start today with some mindset behind money, and I know that if you're not making money in your business, I have been there as I have shared many, many times, it's difficult to bring more money in, right? There's a lot of stress, anxiety. We kind of stand in our own way. So we're going to dig in today to learn a little bit about where our money mindset comes from and how we can make small tweaks to what we've been modeled our whole life in order to bring in a lot more money into our lives. Okay. So our money habits are often modeled to us as children, right? We kind of observe what our parents are doing with money, what our grandparents are doing with money. And that is where we first have our very early lessons about money. I remember shopping with my dad at the grocery store and he taught me about how things were priced. And he showed me on a little label on the shelf, how much per ounce each can of soup was <laughs> and showed me how to figure out to get the most soup for the least amount of money. And I think that's a great life lesson. I think kids need to learn the value of the dollar. I know it's difficult now because everything is digital. So a lot of kids don't have physical money sitting in their bank accounts, but I think it's a great thing to teach kids, but I think there's also a piece missing, right? And I think that piece is showing your kids that it's okay to make money, showing your kids how to make money, showing your kids how to spend money and invest money in order to bring more in. So I think the one thing that we learn as kids, typically from my experience, I can only speak from my own experience, has been scarcity, right? How to bring money into your life and how to hold on to it and save it up and not let it go and not invest it and not spend it and just hoard money. That is something that we don't want to do. What hoarding money does is it puts you in a place of uh, scarcity, right? Because you're holding onto this money. You're not letting it go. You're sitting in frustration. You're not trusting yourself to bring more in. You're not trusting the universe to open up more energy to bring money to you. You're just hoarding money and watching it very slowly. This is the slowest way to grow money is to put it into your bank account. <laughs> you know, anytime I've listened to money podcasts from various people who are very successful in the online space, Investment is the name of the game. That's why we hire coaches. That's why we buy courses. That's why we are always going to events and networking. Those things require us to release money. And when we release that money out into the universe, we say that we trust ourselves to bring more money in. So 
if you are keeping a bunch of money in your bank account or watching that fund grow slowly over time and not putting money into getting support, I'm going to tell you today that you really need to do that. And I'm going to show you exactly how you can do that. And I'm also going to give you some examples here shortly of how spending a little bit of money will bring you a lot more money back in. Okay. So let's talk about the scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset. And I know you've probably heard this many times, so I'm going to keep this part short and sweet, but there's a, a few things to consider about a scarcity mindset. So people that are living in a scarcity mindset believe that money is finite. And again, this is probably something that's been modeled to us as children. Um, and we carry into adulthood, right? It's like, if I can save up a hundred thousand dollars, then I will be able to, you know, in buy the house or, you know, whatever that end goal might be, but that's a finite amount of money, right? That's just saying that I'm going to just continually build this number until I get to a hundred thousand. And then that is it. That's it for me. Then I'm done. I've checked the box and met the goal. Something else people uh, believe in with a scarcity mindset is that wealth belongs only to lucky people. So if you're living in scarcity, you might see somebody who drives a really nice car or someone who has a really expensive purse, has really nice clothes, who goes on vacation quite frequently, and you might feel a little bit of resentment or jealousy towards them. You might look at them and say, God, that person is lucky. How did they get to be so lucky? And why am I so unlucky? That resentment is an indication of a scarcity mindset. A scarcity mindset also tells us that money should be saved in the bank. As your money comes into your life, put it in your bank account. That's scarcity because that's not doing anything to grow your money, right? That's, that's not spending it. That's not investing it. That's just simply collecting it into a bank account. Um, we also believe in scarcity that ROI is only monetary. So if you're looking at making an investment, maybe you are considering a coach or you're doing some research and just trying to figure out how to bring more money into your life. And you are measuring all of the investments solely on monetary ROI, you're living in scarcity. There are so many other things that are, um, that should count as ROI. So return on investment ROI stands for return on investment. So let's just assume that your investment in this case is monetary. You're also investing your time and energy, but we'll just talk in terms of the monetary investment. So say you hire a coach for $10,000, you work with this coach for three months and your focus is making back your $10,000. Well, I will tell you, there's a lot of things that you're actually learning along the way that you will be able to replicate year after year with client after client that is so much more than your $10,000. So if you are just solely focused on making that 10K to put it back into your bank account, you're living in scarcity. Then when you open up your mind and think about all that you're learning, the contacts you're making, the time you're investing, the growth that you're having emotionally, spiritually, professionally, all these things are a return on your investment. So you want to make sure that you're counting all those things as your return and not just simply that $10,000. In scarcity, we also think that debt is bad, right? So if you're thinking again of hiring someone to help you in your online business and you think, well, I don't have this cash available to hire this person, you're going to be stuck in the same place you're at now. You'll be there indefinitely. So if you have an aversion to having a credit card or borrowing money or doing something where you're carrying a small amount of debt for a short period of time, if you're having a lot of aversion to that, then you're living in scarcity. 
So you can leverage money that you don't have yet, or that you've borrowed or that you have on a credit card in order for you to further your business, to bring more money into your life. Money is fluid. So when we borrow money to make more money, we can replace the money we've borrowed originally, right? So money is fluid. We want to stop thinking about money as this finite, sticky, structured uh, thing. And that's, that's a scarcity mindset. Okay. So let's talk about the other side here. Let's talk about abundance. Let's talk about your abundance mindset. So when we're living in abundance, we believe that money is infinite and fluid, right? Like I was talking about before, borrowing money in order to uh, hire some help in order to get more money. You know, people kind of think in terms of, you know, if I hire a housekeeper to help me, what's my return on investment there? Your return on investment is that you're going to free up a lot of your energy <laughs> and your, you know, emotions and the stress that you typically have when you're cleaning your house that really needs to be reserved for your business or your loved ones or your, your animals or wherever that might be. And you are actually taking charge of your life and living in abundance. You're allowing someone to help you so that you can create more space for yourself. So when we're in abundance, we also believe that money flows freely. Money flows to me freely, right? So I don't want to get into the habit of saying by the end of this month, I will make this amount of money. And then next month I will make this amount of money. No, I'm open to an infinite number that comes to me each and every month. Money flows to me freely. So if you are somebody who believes in affirmations, we are going to get into those shortly, but that's one that I use. Money flows to me freely. I have it written down on my desk. <laughs> Something else in the abundance mindset um, in terms of ROI, like we were talking about in scarcity. So on the other side of that, ROI is based on time gained, skills learned, connections that you're making, personal growth that you're experiencing and your overall experience with the person that you've hired to help you. So that's what an abundance mindset is. You're not saying I'm going to give this person $10,000 and I hope to get my $10,000 back, or I hope to get my 10,000 plus an extra 20,000. You're also putting value on the time that you're gaining, the skills that you're learning, the connections, the growth, and your overall experience. That is an abundance mindset. And last on this list, let's talk about debt again. So the other side of things, when you're in scarcity, you believe the debt is bad, right? You want to have zero debt, zero credit cards. You probably have resigned yourself to the fact that you will probably have a mortgage. And that seems to be a commonly accepted form of debt. But other forms of debt, for some reason, tend to be not as acceptable. But when you're in, abundance, in an abundance mindset, you're actually leveraging debt to create more money. You know, you're putting that as part of your business model. You're thinking, okay, this year I need to hire this person and this vendor so that I can actually enjoy my life and not live under this cloud of stress. So I'm going to make that happen however I need to. Maybe it's an interest-free loan. Maybe it's a credit card. There are all kinds of ways to leverage money in order to make more money. Okay. So ask yourself this, there's a couple prompts I have um, in this podcast, and I want you to take some notes and it will really help you dig in to your mindset around money. So here's a question for you. What emotions do you have around money? What emotions does money evoke for you? So take a minute, get your journal out or your Google doc, wherever you like to sort of take notes and just write down the word money and any emotions that come up for you. Is it stress? Is it happiness? Is it, you know, are you feeling fear, frustration, 
There's so many emotions that we have around money. So it's time to write them down so that we can break up with them. (laughs) We give money too much power when we give it emotion. Money is not a human being. Money should not have its own feelings. (laughs) And it certainly should not force us to have feelings either. Okay, so I'm going to give you four money affirmations. So if you have your journal out, you can write these down. These are affirmations that I use in my business. I have them written down next to my computer. I look at them daily. I find them to be really useful. And affirmations are very powerful. Okay, affirmation number one. I accept and receive unexpected money. I accept and receive unexpected money. The more you believe that, the more that it will start to happen to you. Okay, next affirmation. I deserve to have more money. I deserve to have more money. Everyone is worthy of making as much money as you want to and actually more money than you ever thought possible. But if you don't believe it, then you're standing in your own way. Okay, next affirmation. I attract money easily and effortlessly. I attract money easily and effortlessly. And if you've ever had a surprise client sign on with you or someone reach out to you or a payment come in that you weren't expecting, maybe you have a tripwire running that started selling that you weren't even promoting, that falls under that affirmation. Okay, next affirmation. Money no longer has emotion or power over me. Money no longer has emotion or power over me. We are not valued by the number in our bank accounts. (laughs) We are not valued by the number in our bank accounts. But for some reason, when we look at our bank accounts or our credit cards or these things, we, we have emotional responses to them. Well, what if we didn't? What if we simply looked at them and thought, huh, there's 10,000 in my checking account or there's $10 in my checking account. What if neither one of those numbers had an emotion? had an emotional response. What if they were just non-emotional? How would that feel to you? Okay. Next, I want to talk about ways to bring more money into your life and business. Okay. I've got four ways here for you to bring more money into your life and business. The first one is clear your clutter. This is clear your clutter. Now I like to say that I'm not a super woo-woo person, but I do dip my toe in the woo-woo pond here and there. So I firmly believe that your clutter has energy. Oh gosh. Just think about when you straighten up your desk or when you clean out your closet and donate things that you no longer wear or things that no longer serve you. Just think about how that makes you feel. There's an, an uplift that happens, right? You're uplifting your, your emotions. You're uplifting your energy. It is a very real thing. So energy has power. And if you're looking at the clutter on your desk or in your home each day, you're not elevating your vibe, right? And I don't know if any of you are feng shui uh, fans, but there is something called a Bagua map and you could take a look at that. And there is, according to the Bagua map, there's actually a corner of your house that pertains to money. So if you have clutter in the money corner of your house, you could have some energy that is getting stuck. That is keeping you from bringing money into your life and into your business. Okay. So that first way to bring in more money is to clear your clutter. Number one. Okay. Number two raise your prices. I would say 99% of my clients that come to me, the first thing we do is we raise our prices. We do. The quickest way to bring in more money is to raise the investment on your offerings. And I bet it's been a while. I bet it's something that's been on your list for a long time and you have a little bit of resistance to it. 
So just go ahead, go into your website, change the number. It's not difficult. It's really not. So that's one thing I want you to do. Clear your clutter and then raise your prices. Okay. The third way for you to bring more money into your life and business is to forgive yourself. I have been divorced. I talk about it quite often and how that affected me financially, but here's the thing. Your credit scores are totally fluid. They rise and fall constantly. These are things that I had to teach myself after recovering from, uh, you know, my divorce and how that affected me financially. So something I learned is that your credit score is not, I mean, I knew that it wasn't stuck, but I certainly did not realize how easy it was to change it. So I made peace with my uh, credit score and financial situation. And I went in and I worked on things and I fixed things that needed to be fixed. And my credit score shot up like a rocket. (laughs) So once you forgive yourself, that's way number three, you're going to clear your clutter. Number one, number two, raise your prices. Number three is forgive yourself. You are going to forgive yourself for whatever's happening in your life. Personally, if you've had a bad business partnership, I want you to forgive yourself. And I want you just to work on the, uh, the credit score anything else that needs to be fixed because whatever led you to your less than stellar financial self in the past is hundred percent fixable. Like I said, credit scores are totally fluid. They rise and fall constantly. And there's a lot of um, tools that you can use. Um, I like mint.com M I N T.com. And I used that to monitor my credit report to figure out what needed to be fixed and to fix it. And then watch kind of in real time, how it was increasing my credit, my credit score. It was lovely. Okay. Fourth way for you to bring in more money is to plan your success. I want you to make a point to meet with your money at the start of each week and at the start of each month. And I also want you to use a a spreadsheet or reports to project and track your revenue. Because I think what happens is when we don't have a lot of money or we're feeling financially frustrated, we tend to avoid, avoid our money. I used to do this. I know a lot of us do this. I used to not look at my bank account because I knew it was really low. And then I just kind of pretended that it didn't exist. Right. I knew my credit score was suffering and I just didn't look at it. I avoided it. I used avoidance. So I don't want you to do that. I want you to face your money head on, make peace with your money, make friends with your money so that it can grow. Okay. Next, we're going to talk about multiple revenue streams. And I love this. And I have some slides available for you because I know not everybody is auditory learners, but I'm going to put it in the show notes of this podcast so that you can see exactly what I'm talking about. So I have a couple of slides here that I'm going to read off of that I'm going to include again in the show notes for you. So be sure to grab those. So I'm going to give you two examples of uh, multiple five-figure months and how I got there. Okay. So let's talk about the first month. This is a scenario for a 10K month. And I have five revenue streams here. So I'm going to go through each one. So the first one is a learning library. So this is um, a scenario for a month that I had, I think last year. So in my learning library, I have pre-recorded training videos and audio files. So in this month, in this scenario, I sold a thousand dollars in videos in the learning library. They're priced anywhere between like 27 and $127. So not a ton of sales, but a thousand dollars. Next, I have a group course. I have an eight-week group course, and I enrolled 10 people who all chose a payment plan. So that brought me $1,470 for the month. So that was 10 people on a payment plan. Okay, the next revenue stream is a mastermind. So I had a mastermind with 10 women 
who were all paying $200 each month to be in the mastermind. So in this month, that was $2,000 in revenue. And the next revenue stream I had in this month was a live event. I think I, I hosted like a luncheon or something and I sold it to 10 people for $193 each. So that was $1,930. Okay. Last revenue stream, one-on-one coaching. I had two clients who were on payment plans, making $1,800 payments per month for a total of $3,600 for that month. So if you add up all five of those revenue streams, the learning library, the group course, the mastermind, the live event, and the one-on-one coaching, my total month's revenue was $10,000. It's also important to note that the learning library was totally passive income, right? Because it's all pre-recorded. My group course also pre-recorded. Um, the mastermind, I usually have two calls a month, so there's not a lot of time uh, needed there. My one-on-one coaching, I have weekly calls for my clients. So there were uh, that's the most time uh, investment there was the one-on-one coaching. And then the live event was just a couple hours. So not a ton of time, but we can actually bring in more money than this with less time invested. And I'm going to show you next how to do that. Okay, so this is an example of a $23,000 month with three revenue streams instead of five. So the revenue stream that I cut out, so the learning library, remember in the last one, I made a thousand. I cut that out completely. So I didn't have any sales in the learning library for this month. So in my group course, I actually enrolled 30 people instead of 10. So that was 44.10 for that month because they were all in payment plans of 147 a month. So that total is 44.10. And then I increased the investment for my mastermind So in the mastermind, I had 10 women who were paying 400 a month instead of 200. So that brought in 4,000 for that month. I did not have a live event. So that was not a revenue stream that I used for this month. And my one-on-one coaching, I increased my investment. So I had one client who paid in full and that's 12,000. And then I had one client who was on a payment plan at 2,500 a month. So that total for the one-on-one coaching is 14,500. So those three revenue streams together, the one-on-one coaching, the mastermind, and the group course equaled $23,000 for the month. So the group course, again, is totally automated. It's pre-recorded. The mastermind, I have two calls a month. So that's only a couple hours for the month. And the one-on-one coaching, I have weekly calls plus Voxer support. So again, that's the highest um, That's the highest time investment, which is typical for one-on-one coaching because you know that's your highest level of support typically. So those two scenarios are very different. The first one, I filled all five revenue streams for a $10,000 a month. And then the second one, I only filled three of them, the group course, the mastermind, and the one-on-one coaching and brought in 23,000 for the month. So this is just an example of how money can come to you in whatever way you want it to, right? It's not, it's not a matter of work more hours, get more money. That is not how this works at all. Not at all. Um, so I want you to write down in your, your journal, wherever you're taking notes, I want to know what's coming up for you right now. How does 23,000 a month make you feel? Does it feel like it's something that you cannot attain? Does it feel like something that's only reserved for other people? How does that make you feel? I want you to just brain dump whatever emotions are coming up for you around this $23,000 a month. Cause you can certainly have this money. You can have it every single month if you want to. Okay. So now let's talk about a little bit of resistance because when I talk about multiple revenue streams and money, um, it creates a little bit of resistance and I get it. I totally get it. I've done a lot of work over the last 12 years around money 
and um, had to make peace, like I, I said, with my own financial journey and had to learn a lot about how to allow myself to make more money without feeling like a bad person. Wanting to make more money does not make you a bad person at all. I promise you that. It makes you a good person. It makes you a person with goals. It makes you a person who wants to do good things with money. Not everybody who makes money wants to, you know, be selfish with it and only reward themselves. A lot of people do great things for other people with money. Okay. So let's talk about resistance now. Resistance to making money, resistance to having an online business. Okay. Number one, I've got four points here for you. Number one, I'm new to my industry. People say to me, I'm new to my industry. I'm brand new. So there's no way I can make 23,000 in a month. Well, here's the thing. The only person that knows that you're new is you. Nobody else knows that you don't go onto your Instagram saying, well, I'm new. So I'm going to do my best, <laughs> right? That's not a very leadery way of selling anything. We need to be leaders. So you really do not need to be disclosing that you are new to your industry because nobody knows this, but you, okay. Point number two, uh, or resistance. Number two, nobody will pay for my offering. No one will pay for my offering. I guarantee they will. If you don't believe they will pay for your offering, they won't. So we really have to get past this resistance and make that shift. And I will tell you the first time you have a sale, even if it's $27 or $7, whatever that might be, it is a game changer. So I don't want you to give up. You have to keep promoting. You have to keep being visible. People will absolutely pay for your offer. Okay. Resistance point number three, my marketing isn't as pretty as everyone else's. Sometimes we have a little bit of um, you know, a little comparison, <laughs> a little comparison, um, issue here, right? We're looking at other people's marketing. Oh gosh, this person has professional photos. This person is on the beach. This person is a perfect family. This person is skinny. This person, you know, whatever that might be for you. This person has beautiful fonts and their copy is beautiful. And there's just a lot of, um, you know, a little bit of resentment happening there, but I will tell you, there are people in the online space that make a lot of money and they don't even have a website. I mean, I am in tech, of course, you know, this podcast is called tech champagne. I highly recommend you have a website, but not everyone does. And they're still making money. So having the perfect marketing, having the perfect photos, having the perfect colors and the perfectly curated Instagram feed is not going to guarantee that you're going to have a six figure, seven figure business. It's not, you are the person who's going to guarantee that people are going to want to work with you because of who you are, not because of what's on your website, not because everything looks perfect from the outside. Okay. Resistance point number four, there are free YouTube videos. <laughs> yes, there are. People say to me all the time, why would someone buy a program with me when they can go on YouTube and find it for free? Well, that's valid. Absolutely. You can go on YouTube and research all kinds of things. I did that for the first few years of my business. And you know what it left me? It left me tired. It left me frustrated. Um, it left me sucked into my computer trying to figure it out myself. Um, it's not a good way to go. A smart, serious business owner doesn't just look for free content to grow their business, right? We want to have mentors. We want to have coaches. We want to have courses where the thing that we really need is curated and packaged and understandable. So going through YouTube on this endless search or Google or anything like that is not going to get you where you need to be. So the same goes for people that are going to buy from you. They're going to buy from you because of who you are. 
So if you go onto YouTube and search, you're going to come across a bunch of different people who have, who knows where their credibility comes from. You don't know them. They don't know you. There's a huge disconnect there in trying to find free content online. So just know that people are going to hire you because of who you are and how smart you are. Okay. Next, we're going to talk about two things. If you've ever had an offer flop, this next section is for you. (laughs) And I have, it's part of the game. You guys, it is part of the game. If you launch a course, you're really excited about it, put your heart and soul into it and it flops. That's okay. You just need to make some small tweaks. So I'm going to tell you first what not to do if you're offering flops. Okay. I've got four things here for you, but do not lower your pricing. Don't do that. That's the first place we go. We think it flopped because it was too expensive. Not true. People are buying things online for $7. They're buying things online for $7,000. Where you fall in that pricing scale is totally up to you. So I would, instead of lowering your price, I would look at your sales funnel. I would look at your effort in growing your audience consistently. Are you also nurturing your current audience? That's where I would start. Don't start with the pricing because if it's not selling at you know $400, it's not going to just fly off the shelves if you get it down to $300. It's not. There's a disconnect. You're not building the connection that you need to. Okay, what next? So do not lower your price. Next, do not change your content. You know, we kind of get stuck in this, oh, it flopped because the content sucks. So I'm going to go and revise it and then it doesn't sell again. I'm going to go revise it. It doesn't sell again. So I want you to first take a look at your sales strategy and make edits there first, because I can guarantee the content for your course is great. You don't need to be making edits or new graphics or editing your website, all the things we do, and we're not sure what to do. The content is great. I want you to look at your sales strategy and make edits there first. Okay. So don't lower your price. Don't change your content. Third, don't give up. This is where your confidence and your affirmations come in. So it's time now for you to be brave enough to launch again and keep being visible to your ever-growing audience. When we buy something, we need to see it. I think the number is like seven to 10 times is probably a low estimate before we buy it. So just know that the repetition and the visibility is going to help sell your offering. Okay. Last one. Do not revamp your entire launch plan. Simply repeat it. Do it over and over again launch again, launch again, and launch again. You know, like I said earlier, look at your sales funnel. Is it organized? Do you have clear guidance there? (laughs) Are you nurturing your current audience? Are you using good sales copy and sales messaging? Start there first. No need to scrap your launch plan, never to do it again. Just keep launching. Okay. So now when you're offering flops, I want you to do this instead. I've got four things here for you. Review your sales funnel. I want you to start there. Number two, review your messaging. Is the offering clear? Are you communicating why people need you? Number three, review the transformation. Is the big promise evident in your messaging? Do people know what they'll be getting? And last, try, try again. This is where you get to make improvements and keep going. I would schedule a quarterly launch with this program. Just do the same thing, rinse and repeat. Make small tweaks and improvements as you go, and you will start to see the results that you would like. Here's something to ask yourself, take notes on. How was your last launch? Were the results what you expected? And I want you to get really specific with that. I want you to write down specifics of your last launch. How long did you promote it? How many people signed up? Did you have a funnel? Did you have a freebie? Or did you just get online one day and launch your course? And what were the results? 
I want you to write those down be really specific. Okay. Now we're going to talk about automation for your sales funnel. And again, I have these slides available to you so you can get them in the show notes and you'll see this graph that I've outlined for you. Okay. So let's talk about elements of your sales funnel. And I, I, I'm going to simplify this. So please don't think this is going to be a big, long, complicated funnel because it's not. So here we go. Elements of your sales funnel. We've got the freebie, right? So that's the first place people start. We've got your tripwire, which is something after the freebie brings in a little bit of money. Next, we have your automated emails. And last, we have your payment processor. That's it. Simple, simple, simple. So for your freebie, the purpose of your freebie is to bring new people into your audience and also for you to gather email addresses. So you have to have an opt-in page on your website where people can opt in. And then you have to have a system that auto delivers this freebie to people. They have to get it instantly or else they're gone, never to be seen again. Um, examples of freebies are PDFs and then video or audio files. I like to keep mine super, super simple. Mine are typically PDFs. Okay. Let's talk about your tripwire. So tripwire is typically a step, uh, further than your freebie and they're priced 27, 47, sometimes 97 bucks. They bring in revenue and they provide extra value to your audience. I like to keep these simple again, PDFs and video trainings are typically what I use for my tripwires. And next, let's talk about your automated emails. So the purpose of your automated emails is to nurture your audience and bring in sales. So in this automated email sequence, your first email, you can deliver the freebie. The second one, you can offer your tripwire. The third one, you can do some nurturing and you can continue selling in the PS of your emails. Some examples of email systems are MailChimp, ActiveCampaign, and Constant Contact. Those are pretty commonly used systems. I'm a big fan of active campaign. You might be using something else, which is totally fine. Okay, last, let's talk about your payment processor. So the purpose here is to automatically process credit cards for immediate purchase and also to deliver your offering. So a lot of payment processors will allow you to put a redirect, which is like a link to the thing that you are selling. So for example, if I have a PDF and someone can buy it for $27, I'm not going to go in and manually email people this PDF, right? I want the payment processor to deliver it for me so I can be out and about enjoying my life watching these sales come in over my phone. So examples of payment processors that do this, you can look at Samcart, you can look at Moonclerk, and you can look at Stripe. I'm a big fan of Stripe. It's a really commonly used payment processor. Okay, so... Woo, this is a lot of information today. I hope that you are taking notes. I love talking about money and how to grow your business and how to automate your business. As you know, I'm a big fan of technology and automation. So I hope this month, this information uh, on money mindset and also automation helps you in your business, right? There's a lot of, we have a lot of feelings around money. And so I hope these affirmations and things you can do to bring more money into your life and business is really helpful for you. So if you need additional support, you're welcome to join me over on Instagram, the T-H-E underscore Alisa, A-L-I-S-A underscore Wilcox. I would love to connect with you there. If you would like to take a picture of your notes or share anything that you are doing right now during this podcast, please do on Instagram and tag me. I would love to share and be a part of the Instagram party. So, okay. Well, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate your support so much and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for spending your time with me today. I hope this episode brought you exactly what you needed. 
If you had fun today, be sure to hit the subscribe button or leave me a review. Your support means the world to me and it helps other women entrepreneurs find the show as well. And if you're looking for a free place to connect and learn more about creating your own six-figure online business, check out my Facebook group, Empowered Entrepreneurs. See you on the next episode.